everyone. Welcome back to Our Golden Twenties podcast. We are very excited for today's episode because we have a special guest on to talk all about the winter blues and to give you guys some self-care tips to deal with the winter blues. I think this time of year is when the winter blues really start to kick in as, you know, we get desperate for spring to come, but at least here in Canada, the winter just lags on and on. So we think this is a timely episode. We are excited to introduce you to Debbie Crawford. Debbie is a lifestyle, home, and wellness blogger, as well as a clinical counselor. She is the founder of Flourish Counseling, a virtual counseling service helping women navigate a variety of issues such as anxiety, stress, burnout, self-worth, relationships, and more. Her goal is to help women feel at home within themselves. Speaking of home, over on her blog, flourishcollective.com, and on her Instagram, Debbie creates content around slow living and the beautiful space she calls home. She recently started a 30-day wintering well challenge to help her and her followers develop a positive winter mindset to help tackle the winter blues. So, Debbie, do you want to start by telling us about yourself and just the journey that you've been on to become the wellness blogger and content creator that you are, as well as creating Flourish Counseling? Yeah, so it's it's been a bit of a roundabout journey to get to where I am now. But So I, I own Flourish Counseling, and that's a private counseling practice, virtual. I work with women across Canada. And prior to that, I was working in more community mental health settings. So I was working in nonprofit work and community-based agencies for about five years. And I was working in really intense mental health settings. So a lot of addictions work, a lot of chronic mental health and family work and crisis counseling. And during that time, I, I started an Instagram account about my home and just totally unrelated. I, I guess the work that I was doing was, was quite heavy and I just kind of needed this Mm -hmm. happy positive outlet so I started sharing about my house and I and from there it snowballed a little bit and started being more lifestyle based and and more mental wellness but more so just from kind of my own experience and kind of how I practice that and and I found that that combination really resonated with my audience and it it got to a point with with my work where my husband and I were both just kind of craving a change and considering a move and so during COVID, we packed up and sold our house and quit our jobs. And he had a, a job offer in a different city. So we ended up moving. And that kind of ended up being this springboard into launching my private practice. I had always kind of thought about it, but I, I guess through some of the connections that I've made through my Instagram, which was just a hobby, I, I was getting inquiries about people wanting to work as with me as a counselor. And at the time I wasn't taking clients in that capacity, but Felt like that kind of opportunity to, to pursue it was there. We were making a big change anyway. And so it was going to be a situation where I'd be looking for a new job. So decided to kind of go all in with my counseling practice and my content creation. So I, I own both kind of, they're two different businesses, but there's a lot of overlap. And, and through my home and kind of lifestyle Instagram and blog, my practice was born. And so, yeah, a lot of my clients in the early days came from kind of that space, which I never had expected and never had planned, but became a really cool kind of merging of these two passions that I've had. I love that. That's amazing. I love, 
Yeah, me too. And I love how, like you said, like your Instagram page and your whole home side of it was just a creative outlet, you creating like this positive space for yourself. And then it just took on this whole other like kind of realm of its own and turned into you pursuing your passion of like mental health and all the counseling and your own private practice. So I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really unexpected, but just like such a gift to be able to to do things that I'm passionate about and work with clients that I'm really passionate about and kind of work with topics that I'm more interested in. And, and yeah, it's been really special. Awesome. I think we both were really inspired by your wintering well challenge that you've been posting. And so I was wondering if you could sort of talk a little bit about that and sort of the connection to the winter blues and seasonal depression and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Because although a lot of our listeners aren't based in Canada, I can say as Canadians, like winter blues are very real. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the winter blues and how that can kind of impact a person's day-to-day life. Yeah, totally. So um, with the winter and well challenge that, to be honest, was born out of, out of my own struggle with the winter. And like you said, Canada winters are brutal. And last winter I found I really struggled through the winter and, and more than I really had in previous years. And so I'd come across this article about Scandinavians and how they have some of the most brutal winters and the darkest days, and they're some of the happiest people. And there's been a lot of studies around that. And, and a lot that came out was, was kind of based on their winter mindset and, and having this just a different perspective on it. And, and so I started this challenge, honestly, as a challenge to myself, just because I, I wanted to kind of work on finding some of the good parts of the winter. And I guess I, I kind of ran with it in, in more of my niche. And so I incorporated like home care and self-care and finding the simple pleasures in the winter. And, and I have just found that it's been a nice shift for myself, like looking for those things. And that's what the, that article had talked about was, yeah, like focusing on some of the good parts and and I'd found like even in the fall, I was already dreading the feelings that I was going to have in the winter. And I was like, I have to kind of take control of that and shift my perspective. And yeah, it's been really helpful to, to build that in for myself and my, my audience has seemed to enjoy it too. So, so that's kind of the challenge. But then as far as the winter blues go, you're totally right. Like winter in Canada is hard, but I think for a lot of people just the time of the year, like there's so many factors. It's it's kind of the perfect storm in January through March with totally. coming out of the holidays. And for a lot of people, holidays are are good, but they're stressful. And for some people, they're not so mm-hmm. good. And so I think even just like the pressure and the the financial stress and the busyness, and then there's a bit of a crash as we come into January for a lot of us. And, and then you also add in like less sunlight and maybe less time outside and more isolation. And so, yeah, I think that winter blues is a really real thing for a lot of people. I do want to kind of differentiate like seasonal depression is an, is an actual diagnosis. And, and that would be more of like an extreme version of that. And there's certain criteria that you would see in like the, the DSM, which is where the diagnoses would come from, from mental health. 
disorders. And, Mm -hmm. and so that would be a lot more of like a pervasive low mood and like changes in appetite and difficulty with sleep. And sometimes even like more intense symptoms like suicidal ideation and stuff. So that would be the actual seasonal depression, but the Mm -hmm. winter blues is, is more of like a minor version, but still really impactful. And I think too, for a lot of us, we don't really know how to, how to feel a lot of the things we feel. And so when we feel like a low mood or we feel, yeah, like just less motivated or, or this dip, which is really normal and natural. And everybody kind of goes through those ups and downs. And yeah, it's just a part of being human to feel kind of the spectrum of emotions, but it can be really jarring. So when all of a sudden we're feeling Mm. this low mood, it's like, get me out of it versus like maybe even leaning into it because I think sometimes that's our body's like telling us we need to slow down or it's it's yeah it's there's room for that part of us as well we don't need to be these like high functioning productive go 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 all the time and and in fact like our bodies aren't meant to do that so yeah I think there's an element of like leaning into the slowness of of those seasons too yeah 100% I feel like Exactly how you were describing it. When I feel the winter blues, it's almost like a funk or like Mm -hmm. I feel that something's wrong, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Or I feel like I want to make a change, but I can't quite figure out what the change is. And it can be very frustrating to be like, I feel like I want to do something and feel better, but I don't even know where to start Mm -hmm. or how to get there. Totally. Yeah. And I love the point that you bring up that seasonal depression is like a different thing than Mm -hmm. the winter blues. I've been seeing so much on TikTok, like from Toronto creators, since we haven't seen the sun hardly at all this month. And so many people, the first thing they'd say is I have seasonal depression. And then as soon as it's a sunny day, they're coming back on. They're like, I feel so much better and all this stuff. And I just think there is almost like a disconnect, you know, where it's like, Mm -hmm. well, you can't just kind of throw around these terms Mm -hmm. if it's not actually like a diagnosis or, you know what I mean? Like, I just think it kind of creates like, I don't want to say use the word stigma, but it just feels kind of like miscommunication or like misinformation almost. And then I think when you're seeing that content, you can be like, oh, they're saying they have seasonal depression. I'm feeling the same way as them. I must Mm -hmm. too. And then it's a Mm -hmm. self-diagnosis and it's not an actual thing. So I think it's so important that you describe that they are different. And when you're feeling that funk, Tegan was just talking about, you know, it might be more of a case of the winter blues and don't beat yourself up. Or I feel Mm -hmm. like some of us also like health anxiety. I know I can relate to that, you know, where it's like, what's wrong with me? And then it can like spin out of control very quickly. So I think that differentiation you mentioned is very, very key. Yeah, you're right. I think it is important. Like I'm happy people are talking about this, those things and that even terminology is starting to maybe be more common, but I think, mm-hmm. yeah, people can, yeah. can latch on to certain things pretty quick. And, and then that also can maybe discredit people's experience who really do have seasonal depression, which, which looks different, but there's definitely a lot of overlap in some of the symptoms and things mm-hmm. that you might experience, but yeah, just being cautious, I think with some of the, the terminology that we throw around. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I also love the idea, actually, before we move on to our next question of the whole mindset around it. I think that's a huge thing. And no matter what area of your life you're tackling or like focused on. And it's funny because winter, again, being here in Toronto, I feel everyone just hates winter. Like it's like winter equals gray days and slush. We hate that. (laughs) But my sisters are both in Quebec and they're like winter equals really cold temperatures, but the sun shining, people are skiing, people are out enjoying the snow and they make the most of it. So I think just the idea of your wintering well challenge being like, this sucks, but let's make the most of it and let's lean into (laughs) the good parts of it and change the mindset. Like that's something we have control over versus we can't control when the sun's going to shine Mm -hmm. and when it won't. So I think it's just such a powerful way to take matter into your own hands and be like, no, you know what? I choose to view this differently and it'll be a positive news story for me today. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love how you said that. You're totally right. Like the focusing on things you have control over versus what we don't right. gives mm-hmm. us a lot more. It, it makes us feel less helpless. And I think helplessness yeah. is super linked to depression for, for a lot of people. And when we kind of lean into that, like, woe is me, this sucks and I can't do anything about it. Then mm-hmm. that feeds into that a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think just focusing on what we can is really important and yeah, it still might be hard. <laughs> it still is cold and it's still, We get storms and there's less sun, but when we choose to lean into some of those, the good parts, then, then I think, yeah, or where we put our attention that, that amplifies a little bit. So yeah, it's important. Definitely. So we've touched on the wintering well challenge that you have going on and how you're changing your mindset, but can you walk us through some examples of like your daily challenges and what these actions are that are helping you reframe your mindset around that? Yeah, totally. So it's, it's pretty simple things like, yeah, I'm not, nothing is rocket scientist or rocket science that I'm sharing, but it's things like, you know, leaning into things that bring comfort. So one day I shared about like soups. I love making soups in the winter and there's just something so nourishing about that. And, And we're feeding ourselves and caring for ourselves, but they, they actually like elicit this comfort feeling for me anyways. Mm-hmm. Same with like cozy blankets. Like I love piles of blankets and movies. And, um, and so that was one day. And then I talked to about like self-care and home care in there as well. So things like scheduling in appointments with different practitioners that support you in feeling your best and, and kind of caring for yourself in that way. And so I'd shared that one day, whether that's scheduling in like a massage or counseling or acupuncture or whatever it is that kind of feels good to you. It could be workout Mm -hmm. classes. It could be whatever. It's going to be different for everybody. But I think just shifting to kind of notice those things and then do do them and finding joy in those little things. Sometimes it's even just like today I posted about cleaning, deep cleaning your kitchen and some of these tasks that maybe aren't glamorous, but they help us feel better in our space and feel better in our bodies and they're kind of like investing in ourselves in these different ways. And, and honestly, Mm -hmm. some stuff that maybe we don't want to do in the summer months because who wants to be like in their house, organizing their closet in the, in the summer when you can be outside. So (laughs) I think some of those tasks feel nicer to do. And, and when we're doing those things, it's kind of countering that helplessness feeling too. 
because we're doing actions and they feel they feel good to us. Um, so yeah, kind of a variety. But yeah, I love that, especially the sort of focus on comfort because that can kind of mean different things to different people. But everyone, I think, understands what comfort means to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. So we've talked a lot about winter specifically, but do you have any sort of tips or tricks for our listeners on how to infuse self-care into your daily and weekly routine year round? Because I know for me personally in January, I'm really excited. I'm like, I'm setting my goals. I'm here to focus on like self-care and being my best self. And then once the spring rolls around, I get really busy and it all just like flies out the window and Mm -hmm. then I start to feel bad but for an entirely different reason so do you have any advice for that sort of scenario yeah so when I'm working with clients a lot of times we talk about self-care it comes up often of course and I think as we're talking about it I I always like to focus on different categories so Mm -hmm. I think there's like the health category of self-care There is the like leisure side of self-care, which is like hobbies and things that fill us up and bring us joy. But then there's also like relationships, connecting with people. And then I also like to think about it in in terms of work too. Like what are little ways that I can infuse these self-care moments into my day? Because Mm -hmm. most of us spend lots of our time at work. And so, yeah. I think it's not about having this huge list of tasks to do that feel overwhelming. And, and honestly, I think sometimes that can bring with it like shame and self judgment Mm. when we don't do, you know, like I have this 12 step morning routine and I don't do it. And then I beat myself up for not doing it. Well, all of a sudden that's not self-care anymore. Like self-care is supposed to be things that help you feel good. And so thinking through like, what are those things in those different categories I often will even have clients make like a menu in those categories of like, what are things that are going to fill you up, help you feel grounded, help you feel kind of whatever it is you're wanting to feel. And then how do you intentionally build that into your days? And it doesn't have to be, yeah, two hours of time. It can be a minute, you know, maybe it's, you take four deep breaths before, after you get off a call that felt really stressful and like you're caring for yourself in that moment. Or maybe it's planning healthy food so you have stuff to grab when you're in kind of that busier season. I think sometimes when it comes to self-care, we can move too far into following our moods. And our moods aren't really great information. Like, I think it's important to pay attention to how we're feeling. But if I followed my mood every day, I would never exercise. So there's, there's kind of like the combination of discipline with that self-compassion so knowing like I know I should do these things because they make me feel my best and so step one I think is just figuring out like what helps me feel my best and then how do I build that in with some kind of consistency and I think you're right when you said like in the busier season sometimes that stuff goes out the window but that's where that discipline comes in a little bit paired with self-compassion so also not beating yourself Mm -hmm. up if one day it doesn't look the ideal way but knowing like it it needs to kind of, there needs to be an ebb and a flow with it. It can't be, I can't always follow how I feel and I can't always just be like this, you know, really strict, never any room for flexibility kind of person. So yeah, it's going to, again, it's going to look different for everybody. I think there are some really foundational things that are for everyone, like being hydrated and 
feeding our bodies mm-hmm. and things that are, are nourishing and movement of some sort. But I, I think there can be a lot of variation in how that looks and it doesn't have to be as prescriptive as sometimes we, we tell ourselves it should be. It's hard too, because social media kind of glorifies the the hustle of self-care. And I think it's even yes. kind of become a buzzword, but, but yeah. it's, it's mostly just about thinking like what feels good to me and then how do I build that in? Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a really, like while you were talking, I had a light bulb moment go off because <laughs> I often have those categories you were explaining, but they're their own thing. And then self-care is its own category. So it's like, I have work, mm-hmm. I have moving, like working out, I have my relationships, and then I have self care. So when I'm sitting down to plan my week, I'm, you know, okay, this is when I'm working out, this is when I'm doing laundry, this is when I'm having my work meetings or going into the office. And then this is the day I'll work in self care. And I think how you just described it makes it way more, I guess, less of a task, like you said, and it's, well, let's maybe implement some self care in these already existing parts of your schedule and slow them mm-hmm. down, make them, you know, a little finding time to be grounding in or to ground yourself in these tasks that you're doing. So I know we've already talked so much about mindset shifts, but that was like a light bulb for me when you were just speaking was yeah. that shift in thinking on how to work self-care into an existing routine rather than being like, I have to change everything just to fit the self-care category in. Yes. Because that's going to be the first thing to go when you're busy exactly. all of a sudden, if that's how we're looking yeah. at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So what are, I know we've said so many times, self-care really depends on who you are, what fills you up, that sort of thing. But for you personally, what does self-care look like in your day-to-day? Yeah, I think for me, it's it looks like having like pretty firm boundaries with my work. That's one part. There's there's some more routine things that I do, like, yeah, some type of movement every day, whether that is a walk or weightlifting or kind of there's different forms that I do, but something is like a non-negotiable. Yeah. I've been really prioritizing food and, and like water lately, which are, again, just like obvious, but something that I think a lot of us forget about or don't prioritize mm-hmm. and And I've noticed that I really feel different when I'm prioritizing that. I've been like making a point to connect with a friend at least once a week. I work from home and I'm fairly isolated and I, I'm very introverted. And to be Mm -hmm. honest, I don't, I don't crave that a ton, but I know that it's good for me. And when I kind of one of those things that every time I connect with someone, I finish it and I'm like, I should do that more often. It felt so good. But on the front end, I don't really want to do it to be honest. It's it's building it in, in those ways, because I know in the long run, it feels good. And it's like this investment in, in the values that I hold and in the life that I want. So those are some practical ways, like date nights with my husband is something else. That's like a priority for me from a relational perspective. I, I love massages. So I try to make sure I get one a month, just it's, I get headaches and that helps with that. And so I get, again, like, I know that that is this thing. If I keep up with it, I'm going to feel better in, in my days. So those are some of the ways for me personally, that I I've tried to prioritize. Amazing. So what would you say to someone who is maybe listening in and likes the idea of counseling or therapy and 
is maybe nervous to give it a try or doesn't know where to start, like Sadie and I have both been on this therapy journey that we've talked to all throughout the podcast where when we started this, neither of us saw a therapist. Now we both do, and it's been very impactful in our lives. So we're very pro-therapy, but we also understand how that's, it's a big step to kind of get to there. So do you have any sort of advice for that? Totally. Yeah. I think first of all, just know that everybody is nervous. And I think sometimes I have, I feel like I have this advantage because I get to like witness how everybody is feeling because of my work as a therapist. And Mm -hmm. so I get to see that we're all a lot more alike than, than I think we realize in a lot of ways. And so everybody starting out in therapy is scared and is nervous for that first call. I'm looking for a new therapist myself and I'm nervous and I know that world inside and out. So (laughs) like, yeah, it's just, it's okay to be nervous and to do it anyway. But I guess from a practical standpoint, I would say a few things like one is, is make a list of what you're hoping to get out of therapy. Like, are you wanting to learn practical skills? Like how do I cope better with anxiety or I'm having panic attacks and I don't know how to deal with that. Or I'm having a lot of difficulty with sleeping. Like those are really concrete things, or it could be more general. It could be like, you know, I had a a pretty hard upbringing and I, I want to process that. Mm-hmm. And I would like to kind of go down that road or it could be a combination. And so I think, yeah, think through what it is that you're wanting to focus on and what you're hoping to get out of it. And, and a lot of times, so therapists are trained as generalists, like Mm. we're trained to work with everybody, but people in this work usually lean into certain either interests or topics or clientele. Mm. And so as you kind of identify what you're wanting to work with, look for people that match a little bit of that. And I would say like book a number of discovery calls with therapists or use things like Instagram. There's so many practitioners now like showing up on social media and so you can get a feel a little bit more for their style even even how they talk and like the energy they bring you know like maybe you're higher energy and you want someone to match that or maybe you're really Mm -hmm. calm and you kind of feel like that grounding presence would be helpful for you so you can see a little bit more of their style without actually talking to them but yeah just book those calls therapists again they're going to want you to find the person that's the best fit for you so a good therapist is going to be okay with you booking a call and chatting with them and then saying like, Hey, I'm going to go in a different route. That's not the best fit for me. I know that's a little bit intimidating to, to like, for some people Mm -hmm. to, to decline to work with, with someone after they've booked a call, but just know that it's okay. And the important thing is for you to find the person that feels like the fit for you. One of the, like the number one success predictors for therapy is your connection with your therapist. So prioritize that and find someone that you feel safe with and that you mm. feel comfortable to to start and, and even tell them you can tell them that you're feeling nervous like they're they're equipped to hold that even on that discovery call mm-hmm. so those would be some like a mix of practical but also just knowing that you're not alone I think is really important to remember I think that's really comforting to hear and it's great to hear your perspective from the other side of it you know because I think we just internalize on our side and we don't even put our 
like put ourselves in our therapist shoes who see this all the time, you know, they're not going to judge us for being nervous or being scared or judge us for something we say, Mm -hmm. because I think for me, that's sometimes my biggest insecurity before starting therapy was like, I don't want them to think of me this way, or I don't want them to judge me. You know, it was all about me where it's like, well, no, this person wants to help you, you know, accomplish these goals that you set. And I also thought that was really great is we're big goal setters on our Golden Twenties podcast. Our listeners hear us show up every week being like, set your goals, you know, regardless of what area of your life you're focused on right now. But I think this definitely applies to finding a therapist or starting on a therapy journey is what do you want to get out of it? And then using that as a guiding light to finding someone who will support you in getting there. So I think that's all really Mm -hmm. great advice. Definitely resonated with me, even though I've started my therapy journey. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. Okay. So I think our last question for you is going back to how you really merged your home content to your counseling business. And I think there is a interesting like correlation between your physical space and your mental space. So just wondering if you have any insights to how, you know, decluttering your home or decluttering your kitchen, the example you gave earlier, how that can make you feel better and, you know, why that is or something we can kind of take away in terms of, oh yeah, maybe I should be prioritizing keeping a tidy space because it does help my mental health as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the spaces we are in have a huge impact on how we feel. And that doesn't mean you have to have this like beautiful mansion of a home. It's (laughs) it's more so just about creating a space that to you feels safe. And I think our homes are meant to be this haven from life and yeah, a space that we can just be fully ourselves and fully relaxed. And, and that might look different for different people. I think there is definitely a connection between like clutter and mental clutter. (laughs) And so I think to a degree, like having an awareness of that and, and adapting your space to just kind of optimize how you feel is, is important. But even like, beyond that things adding in elements to your home that are going to help you feel feel that safe feeling whether Mm -hmm. it's like little things like you know cozy elements or scent like things that are grounding to your body I think the more that we kind of tune into to how things make us feel like there's there's an element of like embodiment there where I'm I'm in tune with how my spaces feel I I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I know for me as like an introverted, (laughs) quiet person, when I'm in like a chaotic environment, I just feel so drained. And so I think even just noticing that, like that's a level of awareness that then I I know at home, I want to really prioritize having my space be something that like grounds me and helps me feel like I can recharge and be fully myself. And, And I think that that like, leads itself to yeah better better energy as we move into the world and do other stuff outside of our spaces it's kind of Mm -hmm. I always like view my home as a safe haven for myself and and I think that's why I started that that Instagram in the first place when I was working in a really heavy setting Mm -hmm. with mental health I just I like really craved it and wanted to start sharing it and it was just happy and light 
but yeah, even more so like colors and things that you like, if you want to feel energized, maybe you want to lean into bright colors in your space. If you want to feel like Mm -hmm. grounded and settled, then maybe you're going to lean into like softer elements. So I think, think about like, how do I want to feel at home? And then how can I build out from there in my space? Yeah, I love that. I find that like when I went on the whole minimalism journey, when I feel like everyone did like five years ago, there was so much almost like emotional attachment to certain objects in my home or like there was like baggage associated with things that I was taking as I moved from place to place. And then like once I gave myself the freedom to like, you don't have to hold on to this thing just because it was a gift or whatever it is. And I filled my home only with things that I really liked Mm -hmm. it. Like on one hand, it made me a lot prouder of my space, which I think helped my mental health. But then it also, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like, everything's organized. Everything's clean. Everything's mine and picked by me. And it is Mm -hmm. very much like my safe space. Like you said. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah. I think it's important to cultivate that for yourself. Yeah, 100%. I'm now viewing my home as my safe haven. I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Especially like you said, as that introvert, like I remember when I worked retail, I would just be around my team, customers all day long. And when I came home, I would just like collapse on my bed and be like, I'm not moving. But it's like that. (laughs) Now I work from home. So it's much different. But it's like, that was my like purpose of my home was to be that quiet Zen space where I could just be by myself. It was quiet, you know, quiet the chaos from the day that I had had. But now, like I said, I work from home. So it's interesting to be like, okay, well now I'm going to maybe change my space a little bit more. I guess also it's like changing my routine and whatnot to like you were saying, working in phone calls with friends and all these things that kind of help into your self-care, but also how your home fits Mm -hmm. into it when you're home all day and the dishes pile up since you're eating all three meals at home now and <laughs> you know yeah. the clutter yeah it changes a lot starts. when you're working it does. home you almost have to create new rituals around like home exactly. and creating that safety so it doesn't yeah. all merge together yeah I love it I love also just how intentional you are with thinking things through like we were starting with the you know winter blues and talking about how are you feeling? Finding a therapist, it's like, how do you want to feel? You know, how can you find someone who can help you get there? Then we're talking about being really intentional mm-hmm. with carving self-care into your routine or not even making it a task, but just simple things you can do and doing those simple things with intention. So I think you've spoken to this so well where it's a big topic. It can be a heavy topic, just mental health in general, but it doesn't need to be so scary and daunting. It can be really simple and and fun if you're intentional about what you're doing. Yeah, totally. You're, you're spot on. I think sometimes we feel like a lot more helpless than we, we are and just yeah. starting to do things with intention kind of leads us to growing in awareness of of what our needs are and that is the work right like figuring out what are my needs and then how do I meet those needs because nobody else is going to do that for us and so it it is our job to to figure that out and of course we can put supports in and people in place that are going to be helping us in that but at the end of the day it's it's 
you and your life, right? So yeah. figuring out what, what you want that to look like is, is hard work, but I think it's really important. Definitely. And I also love how you brought up social media because I think that's a big one is you just some people are putting what their needs are on their TikTok, integrating it into their day in my life content. And then you just kind mm -hmm. of, as a viewer, soak that up in your life and you're like, okay, well, this will be what I do to feel, you know, that's the end result. I see it on this person's TikTok or social channel. So if mm -hmm. I do those things, that'll be the result for me. But it's taking time to figure out what that is for you. We're also big journalers. So I'm encouraging our listeners to use, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of this conversation as journal or, or journal prompts to really yeah. take that inward lens, I guess, or take the lens inward and figure it out for ourselves because it is really a unique thing that looks different for everybody, like you said a few times throughout this episode. Yeah, totally. Awesome. We'll link like your blog and your website and all your social media in the show notes of this episode, but it would be great if you could do for like our little wrap up, a shout out to like what your social handles are and okay. where people can find you, your services, that kind of thing. I feel like that'll be helpful. So if people are wanting to follow along, I share most days on my home decor and lifestyle Instagram account, which is gingerdebhouse, gingerdeb.house. I, I share a mix of home lifestyle and wellness, as we've talked about on this episode. My counseling practice is called Flourish Counseling, and that's spelled the French way. So F-L-E-U-R-I-S-H. And that's my Instagram handle as well as my website for that. And if, if anyone's wanting to connect as far as counseling services go, I work with women across Canada. You do have to be based in Canada. Sadly, I wish I could work with Americans, but I can't because of insurance. And I, I work with women and, and primarily around wanting to feel more at home with themselves. So again, just kind of that merging of the home world that I'm a part of and also the, the mental health world. And some areas that I love to work with women on are things around stress and anxiety and burnout and life transitions and imposter syndrome and perinatal and postpartum mental health are other areas that I have been specializing in in recent years. But yeah, I'd love to connect and they can book a discovery call through my website or there is a link in my bio to kind of all my things on my GingerDev account. So my blog is there, my counseling website's there, my counseling Instagram is connected there. I, I feel like I have so many different platforms. So I, that's probably the <laughs> easiest one to, to use as a jumping off point for anything else. That is all for this week's episode. Thank you so much to Debbie for joining us and bringing her professional knowledge to share with Sadie and myself and all of you listening. You can find all of Debbie's links in the show notes, her social accounts, her website, that kind of thing. So if you're interested in learning more about some of the things she talked about, or if you want to check out her 30-day wintering well challenge, you can find all that information in the show notes. Also in the show notes, you can find our information. We are at our golden 20s on every platform, and that's where we're posting in between episode drops. We do drop an episode every single Tuesday, so make sure you're subscribed and following us so you see when those episodes drop. We're also on Patreon, which is the best way to show your support for the podcast. 
other than that, thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you later. Bye.